We the ones. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, into another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media, partnered with 440 Sports. The free agency tampering window has started, and I, Justin Graver, along with my co-host, Justin Mello, are here to break it down, what the Titans have done so far. Justin, how you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, This should be an interesting episode, because although it feels like John Robinson hasn't done a ton yet, uh, you and I still have a lot to cover because over the last, you know, six or seven days, uh, there's been quite a bit that's gone on uh, in the world of the Tennessee Titans. So we got a lot to talk about tonight. Lots of action to talk about here. And we have so much to cover that we're going to start with something we touched on already once, which is Harold Landry. Harold Landry, we know he signed a new contract, but last week he had just signed the contract right before we started taping the episode and then came out Wednesday morning. So a lot's happened since then, including a lot of other defensive ends signing or outside linebackers, whatever you want to call them. So I just wanted to talk about the contract now. First of all, you shared your thoughts last week on the status of uh, not paying for a full franchise tag, but you didn't really talk about the contract. So now that we've seen some other stuff, what do you think in terms of like overrated, overpaid, undervalue? Where are you at? It's it's probably fair to say that they slightly overpaid, right? I mean, you look at what guys like Randy Gregory got in Denver, I think it was what, five years, 70 million. You look at what Hassan Reddick got in Philadelphia, I think was what, three years, 45 Seems like a pretty great deal for the Eagles based on Reddick's sack production over the last two years. Remember, his career got off to a bit of a strange start, right? He was like an off-ball linebacker slash edge rusher. They didn't know what position they were going to play him at in Arizona. So that's kind of negatively impacted the contracts he's been able to sign since then. But really good value there in Philadelphia. Uh, Emmanuel Ogba in Miami got less, right, than what Landry got. I think that was pretty telling. Charles Harris in Detroit, I mean, not quite in the same category is Landry, but he got a, a pretty reasonable deal. So Landry was the highest paid of all these guys so far. To change teams, uh, one guy who did not change team, well, Ogwa didn't change teams either, but uh, one guy who did not change teams was Max Crosby, who signed his deal over the weekend before the tampering period opened, and he signed a four-year $94 million deal. Right. So that's $23.5 million per year. Landry's $18.5 million per year. That It was $53 million guaranteed. Landry got $52.5 million guaranteed. So Way higher average annual value, same guaranteed money, which makes the contracts effectively even um, because that's really what matters. So, yes. Uh, a better pass rusher, though. Right? Yeah. Like a better that pass rusher, a true elite quarterback hunter, right? So it's no surprise to see that uh, that that occur like that. But keep in mind, we haven't seen Von Miller uh, and Chandler Jones sign yet, right? So that could be very telling and, and kind of change our perception on Landry. But I think it's fair, you know, I, I kind of look at this down the middle. It's fair to say that they slightly overpaid while also saying you're excited to keep him, right, and have him back. A guy, again, I, I don't know if I said it all last week, but a guy that's a versatile defensive leader, can drop in coverage, pretty good run defender, can obviously get after the quarterback with double-digit sacks this past season, career high, Uh career high numbers in that category uh what plays 95 percent of snaps every single week has missed one game in four seasons like 
what more can you ask for, right, from this guy? So it doesn't shock me the Titans wanted to keep him around. Yeah. Um, if you want to talk about an overpay, Mike Herndon at Mike Miracles, this was a week ago now, but he had a great thread on it. And he, he said, just I'm going to pick random quotes out of the thread. It's an overpay. Um, it just is. But if you're going to overpay, I don't mind overpaying for a guy like Landry. Durable, versatile, smart, hard worker. And he ended his, his thread saying, um, Landry is popular with teammates and the coaching staff, makes no effort to hide their love for him. This is a culture reinforcer. So you pay your studs that play like studs, right? And like you said, he's not an elite pass rusher, but he does so much for this defense. He's versatile. He's important to this defense. And the cap hit for this year is so low that, you know, you're better off keeping keeping that front together, in my opinion, than messing with it and trying to replace someone who does so much for you. So anything else to say on Landry before we get into some of these moves that happened starting Monday? No, let's let's go through some rapid fire with some of these moves that um, uh, that obviously our, our listeners are obviously very familiar with by now. It's it's been almost a week, but definitely some thoughts I want to share on them. Let's talk about some guys who won't be Titans anymore. You got Kendall Lamb was released uh, to save cap space. Darrington Evans released. Roger Saffold was cut. Deontay Foreman signed a deal somewhere else. They cut Jen- Jackrabbit Jenkins on Tuesday. And uh, you broke the news that Kari Blossom game will not be tendered. Um, they also elected not to tender David Questenberry, although there was another report out there that the Titans might look to bring him back on a deal that would pay him less than the tender would have paid. So a bunch of guys that the Titans decided to part ways with here. They didn't tender, by the way, as well, Derek Roberson. Right. So Roger Saffold, big release, probably the biggest name to have been released, although Jack Rabbit Jenkins was probably equally as big on the defensive side of the ball. Um, these are two starters that they're going to have to replace either in-house with another free agent, with a rookie. Where do you think they go? Yeah, I mean, both of those moves, if you had read Zach's article on broadwaysportsmedia.com a few weeks ago, he did a great job. That's Zach of the F-Words pod. I think the article was titled something like how the Titans can achieve $84 million in cap space. Kind of laid out some of the cuts that were coming. He called it on Kendall Lamb, Jack Rabbit, Saffold, um, all, yeah. all of those guys. So I think Saffold saved like, what, just north of $10 million. Uh, Jack Rabbit saves about 6.9, and they don't have to carry the 10.1 cap hit anymore uh, on him. Lamb saved a couple million as well. None of those are shocks. I will say Saffold deserves some time on this show, I think. And and it hurt to see him sign with Buffalo. Didn't it hurt a little bit? I mean, look, it's not like he left on his own accord. You can't get mad at him or and be silly like that. I'm sure he wanted to land with a contender, right? He's obviously uh, you know entering the twilight years of his career has never won a Super Bowl. He obviously wants to win. So happy for him that he gets to land with a contender that will give him a chance to do that. But it's one of those AFC fierce rivals, right? And the Titans and Bills don't have a real rivalry, but they have played a lot lately. There's always a chance they're going to meet in the playoffs sometime soon because they're both contenders. So tough to see Saffold go. Tough to see him sign with Buffalo. A great guy. Another one of those guys I think you could label as a culture reinforcer. One of the best free agent signings this team has ever made, right? Certainly in this era. So really tough to watch him go. It makes sense. 34 years old, soon to be persistent shoulder injury, a uh, guy that was leaving every game hurt, slipped in pass protection a little bit. Uh, and by the way, they will play this coming season, right? The Bills and the Titans. So Saffold will get a chance at a quote unquote revenge game. I believe that game will occur in Buffalo. So it won't be in Nashville, but tough to see him go with Jack Rabbit. Some quick thoughts on him. Um, don't mistake this for a release due to performance. 
thought Jack Rabbit had a pretty good season. Is not popular enough with Titans fans. And let's be honest, gave up a couple big plays early on in the season, some early touchdowns. He, uh, uh, fans uh, blamed him for. I think they blamed him uh, one on that Monday night football game against Buffalo, which we came to learn actually wasn't his fault when we learned the defensive responsibilities of that play. It was the one right before halftime where I think Cole Beasley came loose uh, and was wide open in the end zone. Fans blamed him for that one, even though it was Elijah Molden's fault. Uh, they blamed him for a couple against the New York Jets. I think one might have happened against Seattle or Arizona, all really early games. Jack yeah. Rabbit flipped that on his head, was lights out towards the end of the year, was a true lockdown corner on the outside. Um, this is a situation where they always signed him as a stopgap corner number two, um, a one-year stopgap. They knew, look, they had drafted, they drafted Caleb Farley. They knew what the plan was going forward. Um, got great production out of Jack Rabbit. Now they get to cut him, save a ton of money towards the cap, try to usher in a new era. Makes a lot of sense to me based on where they are against the cap. If you have a second, head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com. I wrote a fun article on three free agent cornerbacks the Titans might uh, target to replace Jack Rabbit because I'm of the opinion that they are going to sign someone in free agency. It doesn't have to be a huge splash, but going forward, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but your top three, four corners, who are they? Christian Fulton, Caleb Farley, Elijah Molden, Chris Jackson. Four corners that you've you drafted, all four of them, right? What in the In the last three drafts, think they're going to look to try to get a veteran in the room. I don't think they're going to draft another corner in these top three rounds to round out that position. You do need another corner in there. I think, I mean, if they, if they draft one in the sixth or seventh round, that doesn't count. What I'm saying is they're not going to draft one in round one, two, or three. In you, my never opinion, you never know. You never know. We never know anything, right? But they shouldn't, in my opinion. I think you got to go ahead and grab a veteran corner, especially with all the needs you have on the offensive side of the ball. I think you got to draft offense early and often but look John Robinson likes veteran corners he brought in Jack Rabbit a year ago right he's brought in Jonathan Joseph he's brought in Malcolm Butler he likes to have that type of guy in the room they don't have that guy right now not even close who's the veteran corner on this team Chris Jackson right now there's I don't see any way that they're going to enter next season with such a young group of corners furthermore Obviously, you spent the first round pick on Caleb Farley. He's, you know, he is supposed to be your guy opposite Fulton. I get that. And he should get every chance to be that guy. With that said, coming off a torn ACL, couple concerning back injuries and surgeries in college, you have to be prepared for all outcomes when it comes to Caleb Farley. And I think the best way for you to do that is to sign a veteran corner. I identified a couple guys in that article that I think makes sense, uh, connected some dots um, with guys that the coaching staff has, um, you know, prior connections to, uh, having previously coached them. So uh, that, you know, but I'm kind of going off the rails here, but I had a lot of thoughts on Saffold and Jack Rabbit, and I was excited to get them out there. Yeah, absolutely. Those are great thoughts. Saffold will definitely be missed and he'll have to be replaced. But like you said, his body's, you know, we'll see if his body's breaking down. It may be that stage of his career and sometimes better to get out of that earlier versus getting out of it too late. And, and Robinson's done a really good job at that. I don't want to cut you right. off really quick, but he did it with Malcolm Butler. He did it with Jarrell Casey. I'm sure yep. there, there are some names we're forgetting, but it'd be interesting to see if Saffold joins that list. It will be interesting. Um, I mentioned Darrington Evans has been let go. Bust of a third-round pick. Too bad, honestly. Can't say Talk healthy. about a guy that... First of all, let me say this. The draft is an inexact science, right? 
And I'll right. put my hand up because I absolutely love that selection. Uh, at the time, you and I were recording a different show. You had put out a clip on Twitter after they drafted him of me talking him up two months before they drafted him, predicting that they were going to draft him. I felt really smart on that day. I don't feel as smart right now because of Darrington Evans pick. Absolutely busted. But look, what I mean by the draft is in inexact science. The guy was never hurt in college. He was a workaholic, a bell cow for App State. Had played in a similar offensive system. They ran a lot of outside zone there at App State. Was such a great scheme fit here. Made sense to me as a change of a pace back to Derrick Henry. A guy that could play on third downs, catch the football, play a little in pass pro. I, I thought it made a lot. These are the reasons I'm telling you why I love the pick are the same reasons John Robinson made the pick. I can guarantee you he had the same vision for Derrick yeah. Evans. It just didn't work out. The guy was always injured. They obviously soured on him within the organization. Don't think they really respected the work ethic. Um, you know, Buck Rising put out a report saying that, and it's not difficult to connect those dots and see why maybe they had some questions about his ability to attack rehab and, and get on the field and stay on the field. So um, it's an unfortunate situation, but they're better served to just move on from him as they did. Yeah, totally agree. It's just sad. Uh, he cared more about his Twitch career than his NFL career. And sometimes that's just, you know what? I you mean, said it, not me. You, sometimes you can't blame a guy, you know, maybe he didn't want to put his body through the toll of being an NFL running back, but Hey, whatever to each their own. He's gone. Dontrell Hilliard, still a free agent, a contender to be back uh, in what role Darrington Evans might've ever held if he'd ever been healthy. So moving on, Brett Kern restructured his contract to save the Titans a, a small chunk of change and keep him around, which yeah. I think um, some fans, some theories started showing up on Twitter over the weekend that Brett Kern could be a cap casualty, which I don't think any of us ever thought was really going to happen. And the Titans keep him around along with the long snapper, Morgan Cox, who you predicted would be back on our last show. Yeah. One thing I'll quickly say about Kern, we never predicted that, but he might've saved his own roster spot by agreeing to restructure, right? Cause anytime a guy takes, believe he took a pay cut, right? Anytime yeah, a guy did. takes a pay cut, if they don't, take the pay cut, you're getting cut more, more likely than not. Right. So it sounds like something that was on the table, right. As a, as a possible outcome, but glad he restructures, glad he stays in Tennessee. I would say he slipped a little bit last year. Wasn't quite the pro bowl punter he's been in the past, but it's still a good starting caliber punter. And I'm excited that he stays put Morgan Cox. I predicted it hit the nail on the head. No reason you wouldn't want to bring this guy back. He's a local Tennessee native and alum of the university as well. Can't recall one botch snap last season, you're happy to bring both of these guys back and keep that situation intact. Yeah, I agree on all fronts. Moving on, Jeff Swaim given uh -huh. a $3.5 million contract for one year with $3.4 million of that guaranteed. The other $100,000 is a workout bonus that he will almost certainly receive. So $3.5 million one-year contract for Jeff Swaim, who you and I spent the last two episodes saying should not be back in any capacity. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think any Titans fan likes this deal, right? Let's be, I know, you know, again, Zach of F-Words pod's been destroying it. He's a salary cap guy. Look, anytime you sign a guy to one year fully guaranteed, you're carrying that cap hit, right? Like, and 3.4 million cap hit on Jeff Swain for a cash draft team. I have a hard time understanding the logic. Look, if, if I was going to play devil's advocate and put myself in John Robinson's shoes, he probably thinks, look, he's a guy that you need, right? He's a guy you fill out a roster with, can play a lot of snaps, played a lot of snaps a year ago. Obviously can do some things as a blocker and caught a couple passes here and there. But I mean, 
He's getting he a was, $1 million dollar raise, right, from last exactly. season. And I have a really hard time understanding how his on-field play led to that raise. Like, it's really kind right. of mind-boggling for me. This guy must be unbelievable in the locker room and meetings, right? I mean, they must value something that we are not seeing on Sundays because – And and I'm sorry, not to cut you off, but you signed him on the first day. Like, like, that's I, exactly – You signed your exact, own guys, but like – Exactly where I was going next. <laughs> yeah, like who are you competing against, right? Like Jeff Swain, the, when you originally signed Jeff Swain, he was on the streets in August, right? Like has he played himself into a – first day of legal tampering window priority signing like it's 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 pretty surprising yeah i don't understand that one so jeff slam will be back 100 percent part of the tight end room that is still anthony ferks are still on the market michael pruitt still on the market unsigned guys out there and there is a bit as we record this on tuesday night you know who knows what's going to happen on wednesday a lot but the tight end market out there there's still a bunch of guys available yeah, I don't like who who is off the market that was expected to reach it. Truthfully, like Tyler Conklin, Evan is Ingram, Evan Ingram's like the only signing that I can yeah, think of. Yeah, I know like Gasecki and Njoku had had resigned, but that was pretty you know largely expected. They were both yeah. slapped with the franchise tag originally. So Dalton uh, Schultz as well. Dalton Schultz as tag. well. Yes, Hayden Hurst still out there. OJ Howard still out there. Tyler Conklin still out there. Gerald Everett's still out there. Sorry, CJ Uzama just came. He's another one. Oh, he signed with the Jets. That's right. But um, a lot of good players still out there, man. Gerald Everett makes a lot of sense, has played in in these offensive systems before, played in LA, played in Seattle under Sean McVay, Shane Waldron. Probably under Matt LaFleur, I think, in LA. Might have still been there. Um, Regardless, Mm -hmm. he's played in these schemes. So Everett's a guy I think would make a lot of sense here. I love Tyler Conklin too. So, some good tight ends still available. Love to see the Titans go and grab one. Yeah, definitely. So that position covered. Let's move on. Ben Jones retained on Monday morning with an extension. His cap hit this year is reported to be $3.4 million. So very reasonable deal. I think it was a two-year, $14 million deal for Ben Jones. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. And it is a no-brainer. It is the exact type of deal I was hoping they would sign him to. Look, Ben Jones is coming off the best season of his career, in my opinion, was so consistent for the team in 2021, was their best offensive lineman. Let's be honest. He was better than Taylor Lewan. He was better than Roger Saffold. He was certainly better than anything they got from right guard um, and right tackle as well. So Ben Jones coming off the best year of his career reaches the end of a two-year, $13.5 million deal. When you take inflation into consideration, the fact that you got him essentially on the exact same contract that just expired, I know he's getting older, so that probably played into the leverage that the Titans had. Because based on his play, you would think he was worth a a, a bigger contract than the one he previously signed. But you get him on the same deal, it's a no-brainer, low cap hit in 2022, terrific player, smart football player, Great athlete, ideal scheme fit, obviously, for what the Titans run. Has an extremely high understanding of the scheme. Helps run it to perfection. Is basically a second quarterback for the offense. Love this deal. Makes a ton of sense. Absolutely agree. I've talked about it a lot, how much I like Ben Jones. Not just what he does as a blocker or physically with his body, but what he does with his mind and as a leader on the team and not just like – a leader in like the generic sense, but, and I've said this many times, but doing the thing where right before a play, 
is about to be called or the play's been called. He knows the whole play call and not just his position. He tells the rest of the offense, like, hey, we can score a touchdown on this play. And it like gives them that extra motivation. Just like knowing the entire offense, being that leader, that's important and, to this team. And he knows and, the defense too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right? He calls it out. Call out the mic. Protections. He does it all. Yeah. And uh, obviously a chemistry with Ryan Tannehill snapping the ball to him. So it's never a good thing when you have to replace your center. And a lot of teams are going through that this offseason. And it's tough, you know, to to do that. It's a tough position that Titans struggled with after um, Kevin Mawai for years until they found Ben Jones. So he's getting older, but he's played. He started every game last year. He's played through a lot of stuff and he always plays through everything. And he's a tough son of a bitch. So I'm extremely happy to have ben jones back all right moving on the titans signed an offensive tackle slash offensive guard slash really he plays off all four not center positions on the offensive line from seattle who's finished his rookie contract jamarco jones do we know anything about this guy very little right he's a swing guard <laughs> uh swing guard and tackle played uh i think he played like i think he got snaps at all four positions for seattle last year left guard uh right guard left tackle and right tackle so when you're moving on from guys like kendall lamb potentially david kissenberry you need uh backup guys that can play multiple positions versatility is huge in this league right and and teams love carrying um backup offensive linemen on game day that can play multiple positions because then they don't have to carry as many linemen on game day allows them to carry an extra player at another position so uh, i've seen people worry that they think jamarco jones is going to start at left guard or right tackle i'll come out right now and say this and i hope if it does happen he makes me look stupid but um, if Jamarco Jones is your starter on day one and it's not because of an injury occurred or whatever, knock on wood, um, then it's a failure on John Robinson's part, right? I don't think you can plan to enter the season with Jamarco Jones as one of your starters, right? I mean, I know No Flags Film um, over there at Broadway Sports, a great you know uh, YouTube analyst, Patreon, all that jazz. Um, breaks down the game, breaks down a lot of film, kind of liked what he saw from Jamarco Jones, watched a lot of Seattle film, thought he might have a chance to factor into the situation at guard, but uh, I'd have to think if you're John Robinson, you have to aim higher, right, when it comes to your starters, especially because you enter this offseason attempting to retool the offensive line. You think you have to get better. Uh, I don't think the solution is Jamarco Jones uh, as a starting player, right? Right, but I think he does provide a, a important role as a swing guard slash yes. tackle, kind of like what Dennis Kelly and, and David Questenberry before he became a starter, and Dennis Kelly before he became a starter, kind of like what they've done the last couple of years. So that'll be an important role for the Titans. And definitely important. Don't get me wrong. Very yeah. very important. When you've lost guys like Tyson Brelo, Dennis Kelly, again maybe David Kissenberry, obviously now Roger Saffold, like you're going to need guys that can play multiple positions. And hey, the the beginning of my theory that you called insane has happened. My first part of my theory was Titans cut Roger Saffold to save the cap hit. And the second part of the theory was Dylan Radins replaces him. We'll see okay. what happens. Before we get on this train again, re- remind our listeners that I always agreed with the first part of that theory. We all <laughs> had a great feeling that Roger Saffold was going to get cut. But I don't see how that is going to factor into this long-lasting argument between us because they haven't re-signed David Kissenberry either. So Raiders is just as likely to go to right tackle right now as he is to go to left guard. Absolutely fair. Next piece of news, the Titans signed a guy I've never heard of, safety A.J. Moore, who you got from a good Texas Texans source, is a special teams ace. So when I saw that, I thought to myself, 
This is your Matthias Farley replacement, a guy who is still unsigned. John Robinson loves making special team signings early on in the free agency window. It's his most important. Remember when they signed Darren Bates and like Brandon Trawick like six years ago on like the first day of free agency? Farley, from what I recall, was a pretty early signing as well. So, yeah, I think this is obviously a special team signing. Another guy that comes over from the Houston Texans, right? I mean, we're (laughs) running out of fingers and toes to count how many guys – um, the Titans have poached from the Texans over the years. Believe he was there for four years in Houston. So he would almost certainly spend some time with either Anthony Midget or Shane Bowen or Mike Vrabel or Tim Kelly or um, who's the new linebacker coach? Bobby something, I think. Bobby King, I think his name is. So uh, it's a franchise and a front office coaching staff that knows him well. Remember, Dane Crookshank is also a free agent too, but this sounds more like a Matthias Farley replacement, like you said, because he's really a special teams guy more than anything. And can we quickly complain about the guaranteed money once again, just like we did with Jeff Swain? I'm not sure if you've seen the tweet yet, but the financial details are out there. One year, $2.5 million guaranteed. That means the Titans will pay $6 million in 2022 to the combination of Jeff Swain and A.J. Moore for a cash-strapped team I do have some questions about that decision. Yeah, that's very strange. I don't understand uh, that, but that might mean the Titans are planning to open up some cash here soon and that they feel these are roles that were crucial to their team that needed to be given a considerable salary. So, I mean, you can have rookies competing for special teams roles and then somebody makes a mistake and you don't have the leadership you need and you don't have the depth you need on defense in case the guy actually has to play. Or he can pay $2 million like this, and that's what John Robinson is doing here. Not necessarily, I mean, not necessarily something I agree with, but we'll see. I mean, on Wednesday, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like I said, this is Tuesday night. We're recording. Titans could restructure Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Taylor Lewan, Kevin Byard. Like, a lot can happen. They could cut Julio Jones. It could extend Julio Jones to an- negotiate a new contract. Like, there's a lot that could happen to free up money. So, I'm not, at the end of the day, I'm not concerned about it. But, like you said, it's just, an odd choice. Yeah, I think, I think I think if they fail to address some of the positions that you were hoping they would address, that's when you start. You know, and again, we're still early on in this. We're not freaking out, but that's when you can start looking at AJ Moore and Jeff Swain contracts and being like, um, could you maybe have spent that money elsewhere? Yeah, exactly. So we'll it's see. Too if early the Titans... to scream that from the mountaintops right now. Right, and we'll see if the Titans decide to add a receiver. Jarvis Landry's still out there as of this taping. We'll see if they decide to add a tight end. You named a bunch of tight ends that, were, that are still out there that could add a guard. They're probably going to add a veteran cornerback. So I do think we're going to see three to four more moves, and I think at least two of them are going to be more significant than just depth signings. I would agree with that, right? I think you try to go get two players again, whether that's uh, a tight end one or tight end two or a starting guard or starting tackle. Uh, maybe more corner depth that I alluded to, maybe a receiver two or three potentially. I do think they're going to do something still that qualifies as rather significant. Yep. And around the division, the Jaguars have gone all out on a crazy spending spree, <laughs> giving Christian Kirk a deal worth four years, 72 million, up to 84 million, just an insane contract that. Like, people are saying, like, oh, this is going to reset the wide receiver market. Like, give me a break. It's not going to reset the wide receiver market. This is just a case of teams being like, you wanted to pay him that much? Have fun with that. Yeah, All right, Devontae Adams, let's get, let's get back to negotiating here. Your contract has nothing to do with Christian Kirk, but we are comparing everything to DeAndre Hopkins. That's what's happening in the wide <laughs> receiver market. DeAndre Hopkins got so much more money than Christian Kirk. 
that it doesn't even matter. He's like on 27 million a year or something. So anyway, just wanted to rant about that. The Jaguars continue to spend lots of money. They paid a linebacker an insane amount of money. They made a nice a linebacker that the, was pretty much, I mean, with all due respect, uh, no one knew who he was going yeah. into last season, right? They didn't. I mean, he's a great story from what I gather. I've written on him in the past. Um, hard worker, small school guy. I think he came from an extremely prestigious program. It escapes me now, but it might have been like a Princeton or a Harvard or or something along those lines and, you know, led the Falcons in tackle last year. But, I mean, three years, $45 million, I believe they gave him, right? It's a, a huge deal for a guy that, uh, you know, broke out of his shell in 2021. Yeah, yeah, they got him a lot of money and they got a nice uh, defensive tackle, Fatu Kasi, and um... – they gave Zay Jones a, a ton of money. They gave Evan Ingram nine and a half million guaranteed. And they got Brandon Scherf, who is one of the better guards in the NFL, but a lot like Roger Saffold, except Roger Saffold played most of the season. Brandon Scherf has missed a lot of time in the last two years. So it'll if he be can stay healthy. To, it'll be interesting yeah. to see how some of those play out. Cause I do think Scherf is an incredible player. Um, if he's healthy, obviously it's a sizable risk. Look, I'm not trying to say nice things about the Jags. If you look at Evan Ingram, I think the only way that you can defend that decision is Doug Peterson understands what it's like to get a lot out of past catching tight ends, right? He did it with Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard in Philadelphia. I'm sure that was the line of thinking why they went out to get Ingram. Still a lot of money for a guy that has struggled in, um, uh, in the NFL as of late. Um, the best thing they did, to be honest with you, was the the, the, the Fadukasi signing because I thought that was a smart, underrated move because he's one of the best interior run defenders in the NFL. And I guarantee you, when they sat in that room and they decided to sign him and target him, they said, when you play against Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor in your division, two offenses that are going to stay run first teams in 2022, you need a big run stopping defender. So that was a smart, screwed signing, in my opinion. But you know, the rest of what they've done, highly, highly questionable. Yeah, they have a lot of money invested in a pretty mediocre to below average wide receiver group and uh, spend a lot of money in free agency, which usually doesn't work they out. They do it every year. Yeah, <laughs> they do it exactly. every year, right? It um, always backfires. The Texans continue to sign under the radar, solid role veteran type guys who will not be super dynamic for their team, but hey, good for them. And, and Chris Ballard continues to sit on a ton of cap space, right? Like, I know Colts they re-signed have, a couple of their own guys this year, depth guys. I think there was a tackle. What was it, Matt Pryor? I think they re-signed. They signed a, a depth tackle who ended up starting five games last year, and they signed Ty Ty Taekwon Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, a solid rotational defensive end. I always liked his game. I remember him at Ohio State. I was a fan missed, of his coming out. He missed out. a lot of time last year with an injury. Yeah. And yeah, then interesting they, guy. And, and they, they did sign Brandon Faison, I believe it was, a depth corner that has spent a lot of time with Gus Bradley, their new defensive coordinator, in the past. So that's one signing they went to go make that's outside the box. But so they brought far, back Ballard, Mo, they brought back Mo Alley Cox as well. Yes, and obviously, we I don't know if we even talked about they traded Carson Wentz to the commanders. So they don't have a quarterback right now. No. Sam Ellinger is the, the quarterback, I guess, if the season started tomorrow. so And they were denied an opportunity to talk to Deshaun Watson, which is pretty funny, yeah. pretty embarrassing. Um, I'm glad that news came out about them and not the Titans, right? Because I don't know why right. you even think that the Texans are going to trade him within the division. Who's going to start for the Colts next year? I don't want to get too deep into this, obviously, but it's interesting because there are a lot of options, right? They could trade for a number of quarterbacks. You got Jimmy Garoppolo, you got Gardner Minshew, um, you have uh, Baker Mayfield potentially. You might have Matt Ryan, right? If the Falcons go out and get Watson. 
free agency yeah. still. You have Jameis Winston. Sam Sam Darnold is possible. And Marcus the Mariota. one everyone wants to see is Marcus Mariota. Did, we, did I mention Jimmy Garoppolo? You did at the very beginning. And the reports are like the Colts may not be in the mix for Garoppolo anymore. And I saw the latest thing I saw was Mariota was one of their preferred targets. So I think it's going to depend on where Watson lands. Cause I also saw a report from Tony Pauline that they are interested in Baker Mayfield, but can you trust Tony Pauline? That's a big question. Who knows? So if Watson ends up in Cleveland, then, you know, Baker Mayfield could be on his way to Indy. If Watson ends up in Carolina, he could be on Sam Darnold could be on his way. You got Matt Ryan as well. So a lot, yeah, a lot to see how the, but I mean, it's going to be really whatever the Colts end up with as a starter for 2022 is not a player I'm worried about. Yeah, I mean, not a lot of good options, right? Look, anytime you're at this part of the offseason and you don't know who your quarterback is, you're probably not going to get one that's excellent, right? I mean, look, if, if they go out and get Matt Ryan, I think there's some potential there for them to be pretty decent. Remember, Matt Ryan has been hamstrung by a pretty terrible Falcons team in recent years. He'd be inheriting a much better roster in Indianapolis, but I don't think Matt Ryan's going to Indianapolis. If they were to get Jameis Winston, I'll be honest, I, I can see a path for them to win 10 or 11 games. New Orleans were 5-2 and two this past season with Winston as their starter, and Winston was a game manager there. He wasn't the same high-octane, you know, 30-touchdown, 30 30-interception 30 guy we were used to. Again, if he lands in Indianapolis like with a good roster like New Orleans had, I think there's potential for them to maybe win 10-11 games. Um, but overall, if they go out and they get Jimmy Garoppolo, Baker Mayfield, Marcus Mariota, Gardner Minshew, um, I, I really don't think there's much reason to fear the Colts. Garoppolo is definitely the best of that bunch. Obviously, been to a Super Bowl with the Niners, made the playoffs multiple times. But there's so many more playmakers in San Francisco. I feel like in Indianapolis, you're like you got Naheem Hines as your best playmaker. Am Michael I crazy? Pittman. Am I crazy but, to think that if I was if I was the Colts and I was ranking them one through three? I mean, I'm one through three doesn't make sorry more than that. But I think Garoppolo would be my third option, man. I really think Matt Ryan and Jameis Winston would top my wish list. I think Matt Ryan, I can see, although his arm is really starting to become very, you know, just not able to throw the ball hard with much velocity. Um, so I, I'm now, I, again, it doesn't matter. I'm not worried about any of them. But yeah, I don't know. I think with great coaching, Garoppolo can be decent. Jameis Winston, he's always going to have his erratic moments. Marcus Mariota could go there and be a dynamic player, but how long before he gets injured? He, he can't make it through a season these days, and I'm sorry for him. But he couldn't even he couldn't even make it through a Raiders season as the backup, right? He got I hurt. Know. He got hurt multiple times in Vegas. Came in one game, had like a 50 yard carry, and got hurt on the play, and didn't play again for like three or four weeks. <laughs> when he first got there, he missed like the first six weeks. Right? They put him on. Think I think said yeah. he had an issue lingering from the season before. Remember, he didn't start for the Titans down the stretch, and he still somehow went into his first camp in Vegas with an injury. So, look, if they if they sign Mariota, I almost I, I kind of want it because Titans Twitter will go on fire. <laughs> It'll be I'm here for it. I can see him succeeding chaos. as a player with Frank Reich, but I just I'm I really don't think he has the durability to make it through the season. I, so that's that's where I'm at impossible um, all right well that does it for what's happened so far in free agency there's a lot of a lot of moves still to be made a lot of guys still to be signed and we'll be back next week to recap all of it because there's no use talking about stuff that hasn't happened yet we'll probably have a lot to talk about though i bet i mean hell by the time this releases on wednesday 
you know, Matt Miller tweeted it could be a crazy day in the league. It might be the day Deshaun Watson gets traded, right? It, it looks like that situation is reaching its boiling point. I believe he's already met with the Saints, Panthers, and, and Browns. Yeah. Sorry, and Falcons as well. So either way, that decision looks like it's coming really soon. Could come on Wednesday. So could be a really busy day in the NFL. Could be a busy uh, week for the Titans still ahead. So I'm sure we'll have a lot to cover next week. And the Titans got to be under the salary cap by 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central, 1 p.m. Pacific time. So I think the last I saw, they were $1 million over the cap still. So there's going to be contract moves to be made here in the next few days. Definitely. It'd be interesting to see how they get down and, and, and what else they decide to attack in free agency. All right. That'll do it. And next week, uh, we'll recap free agency and might start getting into draft coverage because... The NFL cycle don't stop, and the draft is right around the corner, so we will start breaking down prospects, who we think the Titans might go after as we head into the second wave of free agency, and obviously we'll stay up to date on all the news. All right, remember you can find everything that Justin writes on either broadwaysportsmedia.com or thedraftnetwork.com. Lots of coverage on the Titans, on the draft, interviews. You got the three-cornerback piece. Make sure you go check that out. Find us on Twitter. Justin's at Justin M underscore NFL. Of course, I am at Titans Film Room. That'll do it for this episode. Until next week, you guys stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.